Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Good and Pastor Brett Bow and Pastor Adam Osher continue discussing Article 1 of the Small Called Articles. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary, establishing students in the eternal and inerrant Word of God for a life of faith in Jesus Christ and faithful service in His kingdom since 1964. To learn more or apply, look at flbc.edu. Welcome to the Being Lutheran podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Adam Osier. All right. That, that's a much better start than the... Yeah, we've had a couple of false yeah. starts. It's all right. That's I think we should start. play a game when we start this, this yeah. episode. Like what, what do you think is on the table that we are sitting at recording this right now? And we should have our listeners send in what they think it is. Yeah. I think that would be fun. And we'll, we'll get the, all the computers and recording equipment out of the way. There's other items on the table. Yes. Non-recording important so, equipment. One, two, three, four, five, six... Six different items on the table that are not related to our recording. Correct. Yeah, right. I, I wonder if we've shared a picture of our table, recording table. Yeah, we have. When okay. we first started recording in here, I did that. Yeah. If um, you send in your, your suggestions as to what you think is on the table, we will send you a, an autographed picture of Jason. No. <laughs> Signed by Brett. No, be, Signed by Brett. Uh, being yes. a Lutheran podcast, if for the first person who sends it in and guesses, we will send a hard copy of the book, Luther for the Busy Man. Ooh, Ooh I like that. We'll Intrigue. That. Yeah. It's a, not quite an, you know, portrait of Jason, but it's okay. So since this episode is airing in three weeks from when we're recording it, one of us better take a picture before we leave. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to make it's it like, Yeah, it seemed Wait. like that's a reasonable thing. Could have been on the table. What, wait, what, is that? what are we talking? They are yeah. things I have never seen on the table before. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. I'll take a selfie of us real quick. Don't post it on Instagram. I, I, is that yeah. what it's called? The the yeah, picture thing where you have the... This is tremendous radio. Where you, you have, got it. have pictures, and then you tell stories with those pictures? Instagram, right? It's called a book. Okay. <laughs> That's yeah. <laughs> mostly how I learn. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, small called, we're now into the content of the book itself. And an alternate translation of the opening line of the small called articles, I just love this, could be the awe-inspiring articles on the divine majesty. Hmm. (laughs) Yes. You know, Luther was prone to understatement. Yeah. And, uh, you know, being reserved. So, he just lays it out. The the small called articles consist in three parts. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and each part has its own articles resetting at one. So unlike like Augsburg, where we go all the way up to 28, yeah. what we're going to do is we're going to have part one, articles one, two, three, and four, and there'll be part two, and then part three, which is where a lot of the meat and potatoes for the, the debated stuff is. Mm-hmm. Part three is where we get into the doctrine of enthusiasm, which is probably the part I'm looking forward to most Talking Which is about different than what I thought it was initially. Being enthusiastic? Yes. Thought, oh, Lutherans are by confession stoical. Uh, yes. Yeah, right. no. That's what I thought it was like, really just saying it loud. Yeah. You know? no, say different. it loud, say it clear. Yeah. You can listen as well as you hear. Oh. All right. <laughs> you know, for me, I, I don't know if this is like a little bit of OCD stuff, but I, I'm kind of disappointed that they didn't number it the same as the Augsburg Confession, and I'm still waiting for, it would be great, maybe somebody has done this, but just to organize 
uh, a thematic yeah like a, yeah. a thematic or topical uh, i would love a would thematically organized book of concord i just think it would be excellent mm-hmm. to do and, and especially like you were saying last last episode jason of just how this flows from the augsburg confession yep. kind of like a commentary you know we have the large or small catechism large catechism um yeah formula concord yeah right know, yeah yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you wanted to just be completely uncreative and do it, just follow the structure of Peeper and then break up the small callback articles based on the headings of Peeper's dogmatics so you get really systematic in it, you know, and it'd be interesting to see how it lays out. I'm not going to do it, but someone should. Yeah. All right. So we're talking about the Trinity. Right. And it's so, I don't know, we need to invoke the ghost of yeah. Brian. Brian, as you <laughs> produce this, we know that you are screaming into the unhooked up <laughs> microphone of your office telling us all the things that we missed about the Trinity. We yeah. apologize. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, let's jump in here. What? So we're talking about uh, the Holy Trinity, um, thinking about this as a divine mystery here. Um yeah, where should we go from this? From here? Really, when it comes down to it, and there's plenty for us to talk about as we go through what Luther lists in, in the content, I think maybe, do you have it pulled up, Brett? You, I'll give you some time to pull up. Remember, we did it with the Augsburg Confession. Maybe you should read Article 1 of Part 1 of the Small Called Articles. While you do that, I'll cover our poor shore prep bases. Uh, what did you say? Article 1? Article 1, Part 1 of Small Called Articles. Uh there, there are two main principles in Lutheran's teaching of Article 1 on the Holy Trinity. The first is that the Trinity is a divine mystery. And I think it's really, really important to confess that because most heresy, most Trinitarian heresy occurs when you try to explain it too far. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how you get to Nestorianism, really how you get to Arianism, a couple other heresies too. Well, it's important. Yeah. I mean, you have to allow for the mystery yep. of the Trinity. Yeah. And that's true about God. We, we were, uh, recent, uh, recent history now as, as this is being aired, we had the FLS or Free Lutheran Seminary Symposium. Uh, and, and we talked about that during that time about uh, Pastor Molster, Dr. Molstry, the dean of our seminary, gave a really good presentation on on who Jesus was. And he, he went with John 1. I think I think we'll be talking about John 1 in the next uh, you know upcoming weeks. But he talked about the nature of how, how God always was and always is. And we can't fathom that. No. And we have to allow that wonder to stand and, and and our minds aren't going to fathom it until until eternity, you know. And and even then, you know, we're not guaranteed, right? Yeah, and it's it's one of the more important foundational concepts of Lutheran theology is that we always go as far as Scripture lets us go, but then no farther. Mm-hmm. We don't go outside the bounds of Scripture. In fact, from a Lutheran perspective, this is one of the big major disagreements between us and the Calvinist mm-hmm. tradition, is that we a Lutheran assessment of Calvinist doctrine is that the Calvinists explain beyond what Scripture says. Yeah, we agree to a point, and then where Scripture stops, we stop, and they allow the logic to take over. Well, then this must mean this, which becomes, you know, very, it's tempting to do that, right? I mean, God has given us logic and reason and, but when that stands above the scripture, we start to have issues. And I think, you know, that's, that's what made me comfortably Lutheran where I, where I finally was able to get into, uh, and, and, and subscribe really to Lutheran theology was when I realized, okay, we have, we, we can allow tension to stand. We can allow mysteries to remain and, you know, God can still be who he is. He can be right. And I don't have to know all the answers. And it was when I hit that point that I realized, cause I, I wrestled a lot between in, in my early years uh, of the faith, you know, between Lutheranism and Calvinism, 
in those two theologies. And that's where that, that doctrine of let the tension stand was what really made me comfortable mm, as a Lutheran. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, the, the, the point that Lutherans will stop here is we'll say that a God you can understand is not a God at all. And so we want to embrace the mystery. We want to leave the tension where it stands and we want to confess the truth as revealed to us in scripture. Mm -hmm. That's the first principle when it comes to the Trinity that Luther highlights. The second principle is that he focuses on the generative activity of the Trinity. So that what Luther highlights is that all three persons of the Trinity are involved in creation. And that's very important for the doctrine of justification. It's very important for divine monergism. It's very important for our doctrine of scripture. And so it's just, I, I think it's a genius move by Luther to mm -hmm. highlight that as he confesses the Trinity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Excellent. I think it's interesting as we start the, this discussion about the Trinity is, uh, you know, Luther, we, we give him a hard time. We talked about this last week about how belligerent he can be, but he starts with with an article that we don't need to even really dig deep into this because both sides are confessing a trinity, yep. you know, and, and I think it's, it's interesting. You start on the common ground. We can talk about all the things we can disagree with, with the Catholic church, especially the Catholic church of that day. And, and we can disagree with the, you know, with the Calvinists and diff different things. We're all in agreement on this Trinity because while there's mystery, it's clear that that there are three persons and one God and how that works and, and all the details. Well, we, we don't have that, but we do have that what is, and that is the Trinity. It's really the first step to a good argument is defining the term and saying, look, we're in agreement here so that when you find the points of disagreement, then you can say, this is why. Yeah, this is where the divergence takes place. Yep. Yep, good. Well, you ready for me to read the... Yep. Right. I was born ready. <clears throat> All right, born ready. Part one. Uh, so this is the, f the first part of the articles treat the sublime articles of the divine majesty, namely, uh, one, that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three distinct persons in one divine essence and nature, are one God who created heaven and earth, etc., uh, number two, that the Father has, was begotten by no one. So that's the second article. Oh, sorry. Yep. Okay, yep, got so it. article two. So got it, got it. That's going to be the filioque debate oh, yeah, yeah. next right. time around. <laughs> yes. um, so, yeah, really, article one, is all it is is a confession of the Trinity. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. a very, it's <laughs> simple. Like, yeah. In heaven, I imagine Luther meeting Athanasius. And Athanasius is like, have you read my creed? And like Luther's, yeah, I did it in three sentences. Uh, <laughs> that's what I like about Luther. Yeah. Nice and concise. There you go. So do you guys, where do you want to start on this? Because we got 12 minutes of content to fill and, you know, 2,000 years of church history to cover. Well, we got, yeah, that content and also lack of controversy amongst true Christians yeah. for the last two centuries. So, Well, uh, amongst true Christians, because the, the one thing about the Trinity, as the Athanasian Creed identifies, is if you screw up the Trinity, you can't be a Christian. It's mm -hmm. not possible. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I, when I think about this, my mind goes to all of the, uh, you know, the... The Donald and Connell. Yeah, I was going to say we need to keep like, uh, yeah, all the bad, yeah, the yeah. bad analogies. Yeah. Uh, I think of that. I think of all of the controversies that came from this. Um, and even again, I've referenced already this symposium. Uh, we had a, a speaker there at the symposium who was a scholar on um, John of Damascus, like St. John Damascus of Damascus. And he uh, was with the early Muslim. Uh, or early Islamic 
faith, if you will. And makes he makes this argument, very interesting argument, to be honest with you, that, uh, and, and I would, I'm, I'm going to do him a terrible injustice of trying to recap it here in, you know, <laughs> 20 seconds. But it was, the argument was that the Islamic faith came from a... Uh, an Aryan controversy yep. uh, from from an Aryan monk that influenced the early church leaders, and he he does some other things with with Muhammad and saying that that Muhammad was influenced by this uh, leader, this Aryan church monk, and that's what Saint John Damascus says. And it was interesting, very interesting, compelling argument. But it but again, what was that issue with the Aryan monk? Well, Arius was the one who denied that Jesus was God, that he's the highest created being instead. And all of the in, in my mind initially goes to all of the different areas that that affects. If Jesus isn't God, then dot, dot, dot. There's a lot of problems there. If Jesus isn't God, but with scripture, you know, when we look at scripture, we can't deny that. And it goes back to that old argument. Lord, if he's, he's either a Lord liar or lunatic, and there's some other options there too, as I think some, you know, uh, who was that Geisler really, you know, he unpacks that as well. But the statements Jesus make are unequivocal. He forgives sins. He, he does, you know, and, and you have all these issues. But if you take that away, we have Islam. Well, it's... We have one, Judaism. Uh, one of the... An article I read is one of the most effective apologetics against Islam is that you treat Islam as an anti-Trinitarian heresy. And that's where you start. Hmm. And a faulty view of God then gets you into the place where, you, I mean, it's the same thing with the Mormons. Mormons are anti-Trinitarian heretics. That's what they are. They're not a, a weird denomination of Christianity is they reject the divinity of Jesus Christ and they make the divinity of Jesus Christ common, mm-hmm. right? So that we all can be demigods like Jesus is. Yeah. Which, interestingly, is Mormonism, too, and yeah. some of the other more recent uh, offshoots of the you new, know, new Apostolic Aryan. Reformation. Yeah, and, and right, right. It's, it's just all there. And, and the way you get around that is that the Trinity is three persons and one God, and one God and three persons. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, yet there are not three gods, but one God. Mm-hmm. Until you state that. Right, right. Yeah, so, you know, thinking about the 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 things that people say in, in the midst of this type of teaching of you know thinking of Christianity uh, Islam and and Judaism uh, oftentimes in secular culture referred to you know people say things like it, it's all the same God but yeah. you, know, you know those the those Abrahamic type, religions yes yes mm-hmm. um, I don't know do you guys have any thoughts here thinking about uh, the topic before us and. And responding to some of those, maybe from a Lutheran perspective here? Well, I think that's where we would move from the mystery to the generative word of the Trinity. And, and the thing that Christianity has over and above, you know, Allah is just a generic word for God, really. Mm-hmm. It's not a personal name as far as I understand it in Arabic. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but I think I've heard that. I think that's correct. Uh, and, you know, it's it's easier to think that Jews and Christians worship the same God because we both have the Old Testament. But where the Christians stand is that the Father spoke in the creation, spoke the Word. Uh, Jesus was the Word that he spoke, and so Jesus does the creating, and the Holy Spirit facilitates it. And so you have all three persons of the Trinity involved in it, and they're, the Jewish God is not Trinitarian. Mm -hmm. Uh, The way they get around the plurals in the Old Testament is just by falling on plurals of majesty. Uh, And certainly the the 
you know, Muslims don't go there because Jesus isn't divine. And uh, Muhammad is revered because uh, he heard from Allah and we have to take his word for it, right, as the divine prophet. And so it, it becomes very interesting that the way Luther establishes the doctrine of the Trinity is by going to, and the world was created by the Trinity, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, it's it 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 really explain Luther really explains for us in in short order what the first article of the creed mm-hmm. uh, does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that too. Of you know, not to say that you know we we kind of sim- you know simplify the creed to say first article of creation, second article of redemption, a uh, third article of sanctification. Um, all three persons of the Trinity involved in all of those things. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. Is are we wrong to emphasize that? Uh, yes and no, because yeah. the Trinity is a mystery. You know, we we you know at at some point in time we just we can't get it figured out. The, the way I refer, the way I teach, and this should be no surprise to anyone, the way I teach the Apostles' Creed is by referring to the Creed as God's vocations. So the vocation of God is to be our creator. The vocation of God is yeah. to be our redeemer. The vocation of God is to be our sanctifier. It's like saying, uh, I, I'm a dad, I, I'm a husband, you know, it's yeah. just kind of all the... But but at the same time, you're a dad, you're a husband. That's mm-hmm. modalism, Patrick. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You have those Sorry, different yeah. words. And, and so, the, so, the, so the, the, uh, the hesitation there yeah. is we speak of the father of his prime... The father's primary role in the Trinity is to be the creator and the sustainer of creation. But that's not his only goal. We speak of the primary role of Jesus Christ as the redeemer of creation, but certainly the Father is involved in redemption and the Spirit's absolutely involved in redemption. We speak of the primary role of the Holy Spirit being one of sanctification, of delivering the gospel and applying it to the church. But God the Father is doing that with his word. Jesus is doing that with his word. And so this is where you see the mystery in action, mm-hmm. that the nature of God is to create. And, and one of the big light bulb moments for me that, that helps me kind of be okay with the way Luther describes it is that I think most American Christians, sorry, Wade, he told me I had to back off on this, Wade Mobley did, but uh, (laughs) most American Christians conceive of Genesis 1 and 2 of being in the Bible as an apologetic against evolution. You know, I I think that most American Christians, that's how they interact with Genesis 1 and 2, as an apologetic against evolution. And it certainly can be used on that, but that's not why it's in there. Mm-hmm. You know, that, I mean, God wasn't worried about evolution at the dawn of creation. You know, that evolution's not a threat to God. Genesis 1 and 2 are in the Bible to prove to us, to demonstrate to us that God can create something out of nothing. So that in the New Testament, when we are told definitively that God creates our faith out of nothing, that shouldn't surprise us. Now, God's creation of the universe is ex nihilo. God's creation of our faith is ex nihilo. Mm -hmm. We're not contributing anything to our faith. And that doctrine, the Sides Doctrinae, is Genesis 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. You have ex nihilo, but you also have the doctrine of the power of his word. Yep. So he speaks, 
creation, right? And, and he says, let there be light. There's light. He, he says, you know, let the, you know, the, the water separate from the land, etc. right? Uh, all of that is, is the language. And when God speaks, and I say this in class a lot, when God speaks, things happen, yep. right? His voice is, is a powerful thing. And I think those, those chapters are declarative of the rest of that. And again, where it points to, um, you know, the power of his work when it, it, and it, I just shared this recently with somebody, and so it's it's standing out in my mind. But when when he says to the the paralytic or the the paralyzed man, uh, "Your sins are forgiven," oh yeah, right. Uh, when he says, "Rise up and walk," he, he rise up and walks kind of like a little, you know, like kind of a secondary nature. I want I want to call it a parlor trick because I certainly wasn't for that man. But you know, it's kind of okay. So I speak, and this happens. I want you to know that when I speak, sins are forgiven too. Yep. And it all points back to the voice of God, the nature of the spoken word, which I think again we're we're going to get into in, as as we look at the New Testament in relationship to this. Yeah, and there's this mm-hmm. this interwoven theme of creation ex nihilo and the power of the God all the way throughout scripture. That's Isaiah 55, 10 and 11, you know, as the snow and the water and, you know, the water cycle, so shall my word be, which comes from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. God's word does what it says it does. And that's how we get to the absolution. Mm -hmm. That's why the absolution is so important and why we defend it as Lutherans multiple times in the Mm -hmm. book of Concord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good. Yeah. Any, any, you know, as we wrap up this episode, do you guys have any favorite ways of talking about Trinity? I know we, we've talked about this before of, you know, the, the bad examples of like a children's sermon and the water. Yeah. Yeah. Um, apple. Well, God is like an egg, right? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. How else could he? I mean, we, we saw that definitively in, in Mork and Mindy. Uh, That's going to be really once again <laughs> in 1990s, you know, pop culture. That's 1970s. That was, that was 80s. Oh, yeah. No, it's 80s? not 70s, all the way back to 70s. Is it? 70s? Yeah, Mark and Mindy's 70s. No, Sorry. really. I watched a lot of syndicated cable as a the kid. Nanu, Nanu the Nanu Nanu guy with the fingers. And Robin the... Williams. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway. Of course. Yeah. I'm anyway, saying more. Bad joke. Uh, the the best way, well, I mean, the best way you teach the Trinity is you can really take the Lutheran satire video and it does a whole yeah, lot of good, right. but it's to embrace the mystery, and so you the. Over and over again, you're teaching three persons in one God and one God in three persons. Mm-hmm. And then you can flesh out there. God is almighty or the Father's almighty, the Son's almighty, the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit's almighty, but there's not three almighties. Mm-hmm. There's one almighty, you know, all of that. The Athanasian Creed is yeah. pretty much all you need. <laughs> yeah, right. That's, yeah. Hasn't been improved upon. No. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I can't remember, you guys do that at your church on Trinity Sunday? We do it on Trinity Sunday. There's been some discussion um, on some very internet pastors like me that are talking. Uh, (laughs) Someone floated the idea that I'm I'm this close to embracing that uh, every time there's a fifth Sunday in the month, to do the hmm. Athanasian Creed, and I'm pretty sure we're going to do that this year at Faith. I I want to uh, <laughs> make sure I implement it well so as not yeah. to annoy people with really good doctrine. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I just think it's a highly valuable thing that on yeah. unusual events that pulling out the Athanasian Creed would be of a benefit. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, good. Yeah, I like those charts that say you know is or is not. You know, all the arrows pointing. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, those are helpful too. That triangle yeah, with the circles yep. on the corners. Yep. 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 Those are good talking points, but they right. don't give you the, the yeah, again, they don't answer the so question. See, they we don't got it figured out. Resolve the mystery. <laughs> yeah. They simply right. declare what is and what we yeah. can say. And those I think that's the most helpful. I think of the chart, mm-hmm. you know, God is or God, the Father is and is not is probably one of the most helpful if you're gonna look at a diagram or look mm-hmm. at something that you can, you know, a figure or a you know, some sort of a picture. I think that's good. Um, and, and you leave it there because that's what the word says. Yep. Yep.
Amen. Well, catch us next time as we get into uh, the Word. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. You are invited to the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary on March 13th and 14th as we hear from best-selling author Nancy Piercy. Professor Piercy will share insights from her books on gender and sexuality, demonstrating how a biblical worldview is the solution to the challenges facing society and the church today. Register for the live stream or reserve a seat at flbc.edu events. God bless you and have a great week.